Welcome, welcome to Hotspot 315, the program of free and deed. I welcome you, like I say, oh, I am excited about today, man. This is your boy, Jimmy, once again, coming at you with the second principle of the free and deed program. And this principle is simply identity, man. Identity plays a major role and how we live our lives, who we think we are, who we believe we are, is very, very important, man. We must know who we are in God and who God says we are. If we're, we're to live any type of life that's worthy of uh, just worthiness, man, just, just a life of worthiness, you know, a, a life of uh, purpose. And um, so last week we talked about the woman with the issue of blood, which basically is an internal view of why we do the things we do, man. Because internally, you know, we're messed up and that's where the blood is. And, and we seek physicians and I discussed what those physicians were. So so this week I'm going to discuss the woman at the well. <clears throat> very powerful scripture for me and um, very, very relatable to me because she's kind of like the woman with the issue of blood. And the, the fact that she just does the same thing over and over again. But this time, instead of being internal, this is how external things affect us. What people say to us and what people put on us can affect us very, very deeply, man. And, and you know, this Bible is, I told you, the truth will set you free. So once we learn some truths today, I think today is going to be a big step for somebody, man. A big step for somebody because you're going to realize, hey... I don't have to believe, man, what they put on me all my life. I can stop believing that. Because what Jesus says about you isn't true what other people say about you. So, we're going to get into this. I can't wait. I love this this program God has given me. I love this Bible. I love this Word. I love this, this platform. So, once again, if you need to email me or, or give me a voice message, you're more than welcome, man. Email is hotspot315 at hotmail.com. Any questions, any concerns, any topics you want to have discussed, whatever it is, send us an email. So, let's get started this morning. I want to talk about, like I said, the principle is identity. The second principle is this one-step program. And too often, we define ourselves by our jobs, finances, economic status, successes, grades, appearance, and by what other people say about us. When we let our failures define who we are, we attempt to look for our identity in something or someone else. We look to the things of the world to define us, just like that woman with the issue of blood did, instead of looking to God to see our identity. We see this clearly in the woman at the well, like I said. When I read about the woman at the well, I see a woman who doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who she is. That's why she's going to the well. And I'm going to read that first. We're going to read the, uh, the account of this woman at the well. <clears throat> so grab a Bible, turn it to John, the Gospel of John. That's right after uh, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John in the Gospels. Uh, take it to chapter 4. And we're going to go from verse 1 to 26. It's a little lengthy, but it needs to be read before we can break it down. So, here we go. 
Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called, I believe that's Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm going to stop there. But after that, after that, the woman ran down into the city told everybody about Jesus and 3,000 people were saved that day. But let's get into this woman and her situation. Let me tell you about Samaria. Samaria was a place between Judea and Galilee. The neighboring Jews hated and despised the Samaritans and oftentimes would go out of their way to walk around Samaria. That's how bad they hated them. Just so they would not have to run into any of them. Walking around it added two days of their journey. They had to come up to it. They get to they get close to Samaria. They had to cross the Jordan River, 
go around Samaria, come back into Galilee, and it added two days to their trip. That's how much they hated. It gives you an idea how much they hated the Samaritans, the Jews. So Jesus decided to walk right through Samaria instead. Oh, this just, just shows just a picture of love, man, that God has for us. While he was there, he encountered a Samaritan woman at a well. The Bible says she was walking to the well about the sixth hour. And let me tell you something about the sixth hour, man. Um, let's just say she was walking in her imperfections. The sixth hour, the number six in biblical meanings actually can be defined as flesh or imperfections or just walking not in, in, in perfect uh, harmony with God. So when it says she was walking to the well about the sixth hour, man, just she's walking there in her pick, in her imperfections, in her shame, in her guilt for, well, let me, let me keep reading. Which is to say she was walking in her imperfections. Like I said, she's walking in shame because Here's what happens at the uh, the well, and I'm probably going to get ahead of myself, but the women met at the well in the mornings, see, before the sun came out, it was either cool, or a lot of times at night when it cooled off, they would meet there. The, the sixth hour, not only does it represent her going there in her imperfections or in her sin, in her flesh, but it's also the hottest part of the day, so she knew nobody would be there. See, that's how come I know that she has shame and she had guilt and she had condemnation in her life because she didn't want to be around any of the other women or, or they wouldn't allow her to be around them because they met in the mornings, like I said, at the well. They'd go up to the well to get their water, to talk about whatever it is they talked about, probably did some gossiping. And I can guarantee you this woman had five husbands, so they were talking about her. She was the talk of the town, no doubt in my mind, because, you know... <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Five husbands was acquired, I'm sure, in some shady, uh, unfaithful ways. Because you can only marry if your husband died or your wife died. You can only remarry. And there's no way they all died. Doesn't say it, but you kind of get the feel of it. How she lives her life by herself, walking alone, walking alone. And even the husband that she has now won't even marry her. I mean... How low are you that you're living with a man knowing he won't marry you and you're okay with that? You're okay with the fact that he won't marry you because, you know, he thinks you're not worthy of marriage, but you're okay with that. That's how low she is right now as she's walking to this well. She's that low, man. And I can see her walking to the well with her head down. She's got a picture on her shoulder. You know, just probably it's another day, man, of just... People just dissing her and just talking about her. and Oh, man. Five husbands. She's with the sixth man. Let me read on before I get into this. What I have written down here. The Bible says she was walking to the well about the sixth hour, which is to say she was walking in her imperfections. When Jesus speaks to her, she answers him in a way that says, you shouldn't be talking to me because I am everything everyone says I am. Yeah, when he says 
give me a drink to the water. And she says, how are you speaking to a, uh, a Samaritan woman? In other words, why would you speak to me? I'm so low. Why would you even want to speak to me? I am so unworthy and, and so immoral. How could you possibly want to speak to somebody as, as dirty and unclean as me? Is what she's basically saying to Jesus. You shouldn't be talking to me because I am everything everyone says I am. We can see immediately that she has no identity. She, she thinks that and believes that's who she is. She believes that, that she's nobody. She believes that she's unworthy. She believes that she's unclean. She believes that she's everything that they're, they're talking about her. When Jesus tells her she has had five husbands, and the guy that she was living with now was not even a husband, we get a look into her life, into her shame, and into her guilt, and into just everything that she is trying to accomplish in her life. Man, you can tell that, that all she ever wanted to do was be loved. That's what she's looking for here. She's looking for love, if you ask me. And she's trying to find it in men. How many women out there, or how many men out there, you're trying to find your identity in, in, in a man or a woman, and you just want to be loved, and you just want to be accepted, man. How many people just want to be accepted? I'll tell you that. Rejection really hurts, man. It really hurts. It really tears you down, and... Oh, I've been rejected before, and I know what it's like. And I know that that's what this woman is going through. She's going through rejection. She's going through uh, feeling unwanted, unworthy. Nobody wants her. She's not good enough. See, that's what happens when we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus, man. See, Jesus has a plan for us. Jesus formed us in our mother's womb, the Bible says. Even before we were created, Jesus knew what we were meant to do. Jesus has a, a purpose for each and every one of us. So that ought to excite you. If you're down right now and you're lonely right now, know this. Jesus has a purpose for your life. Jesus formed you and knew you while you were yet in your mother's womb. So, ha! Mm, hallelujah! Let's keep going, man. This is some good stuff right here. See, soon we see the reason why she is at the well by herself, like I said. As the women gathered at the well in the morning, they would have all been talking and laughing and gossiping together. She did not go to the well at that time. Like I said, she didn't go there because she didn't want to be around all that. Well, they didn't even want her around. Now, the fact that the woman has had five husbands and is at the well by herself lets us know that she didn't get all those husbands as she should have. You get the sense that some of them came by some shady stuff. Maybe some affairs that happened. Uh, possibly some things were done that may not have been very ladylike. And now she had come to a place where the guy she is living with wouldn't even marry her, like I said. And the fact that she is now at the well by herself Gives you a look at the way the other woman probably treated her. See, I don't even look at those marriages to all those men. But um, even though she was, I, I, I get the sense and I know that she was looking for love. She just wanted to be loved, man, and accepted. I get the, I don't look at those marriages as married, married to men. I look at them as um, the things people put on us. You know, the, the, the things people say about us you can be married to. And... Let me see here. But I see those men as the things that gossips have put on her. 
in a sense, she was married to the things that they said about her, like she was a tramp or she was worthless or she was going never going to amount to anything or she never would never be loved by anyone who was married to her or whatever else they came up with, man. Whatever it is that people have put on us as we're growing up, man, as we're coming up through, we start to believe that stuff and we become married to the things people say about us. That's how I see this woman as she's walking to the well in her shame and her guilt. She knows that she's nobody because they've told her that all her life. She knows that she's a, a tramp is what they probably would, and not so nice of words, probably would say about her. She knows that she's been around. She knows that she's not liked. She knows that she can't be trusted. She knows Everything that they've said about her, man, things like that. And after a while, when you hear that so many times over and over and over and over, just like the woman with the issue of blood, man, here she is doing the same thing over and over and over, trying, expecting a result, but only, only finding that it's not working. It's not working. When you look to the things of the world, man, to try to, to try to quell how you feel about yourself, it only gets worse. It gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse to the point where you don't even care if the guy is using you and he won't marry you. And that's a metaphor. But you don't even care what people say about you. You don't even care anymore um, about the future of your life. So you, you don't know who you are, man. You, you think that you're what people say you are. And I've been there, man. I have been there. People have said, you must love being locked up or... You, you must love drugs. You must love alcohol. You must love this, this, and that. And people said you're never going to amount to nothing. And a, a judge said that I was a menace to society. And I believed that stuff. I was married to that stuff just like this woman is. She's married to this stuff. And I'm telling you today, man, this this, this principle is going to set you free. Because we don't have to believe. Ah, we don't have to believe the lies that people put on us. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we get into this word, we start reading who he says we are. <laughs> yes, I'm jumping up and down in excitement right now because now I know who I am. See, the external things people put on us turn into internal things, which causes us to keep bleeding and which causes us to keep seeking things in the world for our healing which only leads to more bleeding <laughs> and that's what i'm talking about man we're gonna find some truth today so today we're gonna see who christ says we are and we're gonna start believing that and guess what man our life's gonna start turning around so people said you were an addict you're always gonna be an addict that's a lie from the pits of hell People said, you must love prison. You're always going to be in prison. That's a lie from the pits of hell. And you can take it and put it on whatever people have said about you that is negative and, and, and not what the Bible says about you. Take that and turn it around. Stop believing what people say about you. Right now, man, you can do this today. Today can be the start of the rest of your life. Oh, Whew, I'm pumped up, man. I'm out of breath right now, jumping around. Hold on, give me a second. I've gotten way ahead of myself on this because I'm just excited about this, you know? This is the second principle. If we can grab a hold of some principles of the Bible that we've been praying for our whole life. Maybe you have been an addict your whole life before this. 
Maybe you have been in, 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 a Christian for the last 10 years and there's strongholds in your life that you can't get rid of and you've been praying and praying and praying and they just haven't left you. That's because it's the truth that sets us free. It, yeah, I, I'm not taking away from prayer. Hear what I'm saying. But if you can find out some principles that God has in the Bible, you don't need to pray for that stuff because you're following the principle of the Bible, like the truth. What is the truth? The Word of God. The Word of God is the truth, and that's what sets you free. Once you start believing it, and we're going to talk next next week on what repentance means. Ah, I almost want to do this all in one day, but I don't have the time for it right now. But So let me get back to this. You know what I'm talking about. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I'm jumping all over the place now because... I want you to get this in your spirits, man. I want to see people set free. And that's what this is about, man. That's what this, this the promised land is about. Being set free, man. So you can live this Christian life. You don't have to believe what people say. I've seen so many Christians in pews that are just look defeated and they look miserable. and They have no joy. They have no peace. And this is why. Because they're not believing who they are in Christ Jesus. And I've been there. So I can say that in all honesty, once you start believing who you are, things start turning around. Things start changing, man. Life and the perspective on life starts changing. How you see things start changing. So I'm going to keep reading what I got here on this principle. And mind you, now, we derive our our, uh, strengths in this program from, from a group sessions, but not able to have that right now. We don't have the place for it to have. And uh, so here we are right here. But if you're interested in a group setting, email me, hotspot315 at hotmail.com. We'll, we'll see what kind of participation we can get and start up a group. So where was I? Once Jesus tells her who she is, oh, Let me back up here. In a sense, she was married to the things they said about her, like I said. Over time, that became who she was, and worst of all, it was who she thought she was, too. And that's all she would ever be, like I said. That's who you think you are. You think there's no way up. You think there's no way out. It's alive in the pits of hell. But once Jesus tells her who she is, it sets her free immediately. When he tells her about herself, she gets a glimpse into her life, man, and it kind of snaps her out. It kind of wakes her up. Why? Because he tells her the truth. You had five husbands, and the one you're living with doesn't even want to marry you, basically. See, the truth will set you free And when you know who you are in Jesus, people can't put things on you anymore. A lot of times we don't accept who we are in Christ, and we don't accept his love for us. It's hard for some people to accept how much Jesus loves us. So we try to draw closer to God by doing more and more for God. It's not by works, lest any man should boast, man. It's just by faith. Faith in Christ, man, and his love just pours out on us. It's not how much you can do for God. 
Sometimes we can't accept God's identity in our lives because of a past hurt experience. Take the time to grieve over that hurt and invite God into that place that is broken. Is there a a place in your heart that's broken and you need to grieve over it? That's fine. Take the time to do that now, man. But don't dwell on it. Don't um, marinate in it. Give it to God, man. Give it to God and trust God. Get in this word. Pray that God would help you believe who he says you are. That's important. We have got to believe who God says we are. Why? Because Hebrews 11.6 says this. Give me one second to get there. Here's what Hebrews 11.6 says. This is why we need to take the time to pray that God would help us believe who he says we are because... Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God, capital H, that's God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, step one says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. Here we are in the second principle, talking about identity. And the Bible says, if you seek God diligently, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So don't lose faith, man. Don't lose heart. Seek God diligently with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. And he will reward you. Don't always feel like the people got, oh, we don't always feel like the people God says we are. But this is what the Bible says. We are human But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That's found in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. And that's right, man. This is a mindset. This is a mindset. We need to tear down strongholds and human reasoning and destroy false arguments. It's not of God. God has given us everything we need to destroy strongholds or false beliefs. See, that's the problem. We're believing false things. We need to get into this word and believe what God says. What does God say? He says, I am loved. I am purchased. I am a new creature in Christ. I am called. I am delivered. I have been forgiven. Or forgiven. I am holy. I am redeemed. I am set apart. Oh, I am his temple. Um, I am the head and not the tail. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We are heirs with Christ Jesus. Um, we are ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. Oh, hallelujah, man. That's who we are. We are people with purpose, man. We are called. We are chosen. We are a holy priesthood in the sight of God, man. We are holy and blameless and without a single fault as we stand before God, the Bible says. So I want you to get excited, man. Get excited and know who you are in Jesus. Don't let people tell you who you are, man. You can stand and look them right in the face and say, I rebuke you. 
That's a lie from the pits of hell. That's not who I am. God empowers us to do so. If we lived out of an identity based on how God sees us, we wouldn't have to keep going to the well of the world like this woman to try to fill our spiritual needs. See, she's trying to fill a spiritual need with worldly things. It's never going to happen. And people do that all the time. Even as Christians, we start veering off looking for worldly things to fill us instead of seeking God first. We seek the world first. See, that's what this program is about. Giving you an identity. Reminding you who, who Christ says we are. So we can walk in the things of God. And, you know, there's death. or there's The, the, the tongue is the power of life and death. So we got to start speaking this stuff, man. We need to speak this. Every, I get up every morning. That's right. I am loved. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm purchased. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that I'm called. I've been delivered. I've been set free. Thank you, Lord, that I am who I am because of you, Father God. I know who I am in Jesus. See, the Bible says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you have received God's mercy. And that's found in 1 Peter 2.10. I love that. It says, once you had no identity as a people, but now, but now you are God's people. That's our identity. We are God's people. We are set apart, man. There's no greater thing than to be set apart for God, man. Nothing greater than that. So we have to remember, excuse me, who God says we are and start confessing that to ourselves and to the world. And that's what you need to do, man. Every morning. I want to read something. I want to just keep going on this. See, Ephesians 5.14 says, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. It's time for you and me to arise from any part of darkness and live in the shining light of Christ Jesus. It's time for us to wake up from our former lives that were consumed with chaos, lies, and sin. And come out of the shadows and find true life in the light of God's presence, will, and his word. First, we must know how God sees us. One of the richest passages about identity in the Bible is found in Ephesians 1, 3-14. In this passage, Paul addresses the church in Ephesus, explaining the new identity given to a person when they are in Christ. I don't care. The moment you accept Christ in your life, this, is, this takes place. This takes place as soon as you accept him in your life. According to Ephesians 1, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. Uh, we have been grace-poverished. And unconditionally loved and accepted. We are pure, blameless, and forgiven. We have received the hope of spending eternity with God. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do. In order to live out of the fullness of our new identity in Christ, we must determine what is hindering us from doing so. 
which varies from person to person. Many times a false belief has wedged itself in between how God defines us and seeing ourselves in the same light. For example, the opposite of pure and blameless would be impure, stained, or guilty. Perhaps a life experience has caused you to feel impure, so you believe God sees you this way. You then create and live out of an identity based on your actions, which is contrary to how God sees you. If we lived out of an identity based on how God sees us, we would no longer feel the need to find our worth in our external circumstances, like I said. It would free us up to live in a confident and stable manner. Instead of changing who we are based on others, the jobs we receive or don't receive, how we see ourselves, and all the other ways we try to define our significance, it would give us the opportunity to experience God's unconditional love for us in new and fresh ways. And it would allow us to confidently and boldly share his love with others. It's certainly a battle as we live in a world that seeks to define us by its own standards. But it's a battle that when we engage in it, could impact everything about us. How would believing the truth about your new identity in Christ change the way you live? And that's your assignment for this week. How would believing the truth about your new identity in Christ change the way you live? See, I want you to, 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 to take a minute, take a couple days to realize what you believe about yourself and what people have put on you. And ask yourself how believing the truth of what God says your identity is would change your life. So that's what I want you guys to do, man. And this is the third principle, ident- or the second principle, identity of the Free Indeed program. And I'm telling you, man, somebody's gotten a hold of this today. Somebody's realizing, hey, I don't have to believe I'm an addict. I don't have to believe I'm, I'm unworthy. I don't have to believe I'm no good. I don't have to believe that... Whatever it is that people put on you, you don't have to believe that. It's a lie from the pits of hell. Get into this word, like I said, Ephesians chapter 1. See what God says about you. See how it would change your life if you actually believed it. And now next week, we're going to talk about repentance and how to change what we believe and the way we think. Because that's very important, man. Remember, this is a mindset. Free indeed is a mindset. God wants to free us. By the what we think. See, the Bible says put on the mind of Christ. And that's deeper than what it just sounds. Put on the mind of Christ. How does God think? How does Jesus think? So, put on the mind of Christ, man. Once again, how would believing the truth about your new identity in Christ change the way you live? So, if you got any questions, you got any comments, you got any topics you want discussed, hit us up. Hotspot315 at Hotmail.com Or you can leave us a voice uh, message on on uh, Anchor, and we love you. I'm asking you, man, share or spread the news about this uh, this podcast, Hotspot Three One Five, man, because we want everybody to receive this. We want to see everybody free from 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 the drug addict to the to the Christian who's been in the seat for the last fifteen years, man. It doesn't matter. We want to see people living lives of freedom, man. We want to see people that are living lives set apart from the world. We want to make an impact on people who don't know Christ. And that's how we do it, man, by living in freedom, okay? So God bless you, we love you, and I'll see you next Friday. Peace.